For those of you who have uh, been uh, coming out to the Wednesday night uh, Bible study uh, or devotional, um, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit and uh, the importance of uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the things that I say as I start that, that is important to understand is that the fruit of the Spirit is not imitation of Christ. It is the duplication of Christ. Well, what's the difference? Well, imitation of Christ is when you try with all of your strength to, to possess these qualities, characteristics. Duplication is when the Holy Spirit works through you so that these qualities, uh, these nine fruit of the Spirit come into play. That's an important thing. Because what ends up taking place and what you begin to realize is that the fruit of the Spirit is primarily an, a, a relational thing. What do you mean by that? Well, you develop the fruit of the Spirit as you draw closer to the Holy Spirit. And those characters, the character aspects are developed in you so that you can improve relationship with those people around you. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's important to have the fruit of the Spirit. Some people have said that revival, um, the reason that we're not seeing revival is because we're not seeing enough of the gifts of the Spirit. My contention is this. The direct correlation with revival has not so much to do with the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is the platform from which the gifts are used. And I'm going to get more into this tonight, because you will notice it more tonight than any other time as we get talking about this. You know, Adrian Rogers says, God prefers fruits of the Spirit over religious nuts. That's true, isn't it? So we kind of learned about self-control. Uh, we've learned about joy. We've learned about patience last week. And so today I want to talk about the gift of the spirit of faith. Okay? Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 23, or sorry, verse 22 and, uh, and 23. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. For those who uh, have grown up with the King James Version, the term is not faithfulness, the term is faith. And that would be the more correct um, association. Because there are some confusing things that I kind of tried to dig down deep to bring to you uh, uh, tonight. You see, um, I asked myself, and here's the main, the main thing, the, the interesting thing about the fruit of faith is that you have the gifts of the Spirit, you have the fruit of the Spirit. And um, faith is the only element that is both a fruit and a gift. You ever notice that? So all of a sudden I said, well, this is going to be easy to resolve, folks. I'm just going to go to the Greek. The Greek is going to determine it. There's going to be a special uh, word, Greek word for, for faith, the, spirit, the spiritual gift. And there's going to be another Greek word for faith, uh, the fruit. And guess what? It's exactly the same. Well, what's, what's going on here, God? Somehow, somehow we've kind of uh, messed, messed things up. What is the difference between the one and the other? And so, so to try and... Um, Show the difference. A lot of renditions and a lot of translations have used the word faithfulness. 
And I can see why they use the term faithfulness. They're not wrong from doing it. But, etymo- but according to the etymology of Scripture, the actual term is um, faith. So how does one differ from the other? That's an important question to ask ourselves. In doing that, I think we'll understand a little bit more about our faith and the gift of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. See, the fruit many times deals with character. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, long-suffering, all those things. Those are all character traits. But have you ever really stopped to consider of the fact that faith or faithfulness is a character trait. It's kind of interesting. To best describe the fruit of faith or faithfulness, it might be good, and this is what I did, is I tried to say, okay, so what exactly does, does faithfulness mean? Well, of course, faithfulness means to be faithful. You know, faithfulness means faith. Don't you get it? It's easy, isn't it? Well, hold on a second there. That just doesn't make sense to me. So what I basically said to myself was, In order for me to actually truly understand uh, what faithfulness is, I first have to ask myself, what is unfaithfulness? Because if I can understand unfaithfulness, I will better be able to understand faithfulness. Because we seem to understand unfaithfulness. If you use the term unfaithful, hey, he was unfaithful, she was unfaithful, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, for me, and I don't think that I'm any different than a lot of people, Usually, it talks about a person who is within a marriage vow, and they have, they have disobeyed that marriage vow to, to stay loyal to that individual, and they have, they have um, become unfaithful. And, and this is rampant in society today. Uh, I, as I began looking over this, I remember five years ago, that there was an article or something that happened in the news with a website. The website was called Ashley Madison. For those of you who don't know uh, the website Ashley Madison, it is a website that is dedicated to people who are thinking of having an affair. And so you sign up for Ashley Madison, and there will be other people who are thinking about having an affair, and they will introduce you, and it, it will, there will be... You know, per- perhaps some type of a, an illicit affair that takes place. And I'm thinking to myself, really, has our character gotten that low that we have websites that are dedicated to something like this? It's a good thing it's something small. Well, hold on a second. When this breach came, uh, a particular uh, agency, and I forget what the name was, they broke in, they hacked this website, and they presented the information of the members, Right? At that time, it was 9.7 gigabytes of information that were stolen and were published to everyone. And 30 million of its members were exposed. Now, two people committed suicide. There was a whole bunch of, whole bunch of uh, backlash that had happened as a result of this. Now, it wasn't all of their information because apparently at that time, there were 40 million people who have signed up for Ashley Madison. Stop and think of those numbers. We have 35 million people in Canada. Their membership exceeded the population of Canada. I thought, this is absolutely crazy. So then I thought, well, with all of this had taking place, people will have learned their lesson. And so I said, what is the current membership of Ashley Madison? So I am careful on the internet. (laughs) Printing stuff like this out or typing stuff like this out. 
And what I got um, was the earliest or the most recent numbers are 2018. That's two years ago, folks. Their membership was 56 million people. 56. So if you project that with the continued growth from 2015, that would say that maybe today it could be up to 70 million, which is twice the population of Canada. All of a sudden, we need to, we need to pray that somehow God will move. The thought, the thought of unfaithfulness, because faithfulness is the exact opposite of that. So it would be accurate to say that the, faith, the fruit of faith deals with the one who will stay true. It deals with loyalty. It deals with confidence in. It deals with a dedicated love which results in service. It deals with sacrifice and devotion and allegiance and reliability and fidelity and steadfastness and dependability. Those are the words that you use when you describe the fruit of faith. You know, while the gift is the ability to see powerful things happen and believe God for powerful things to happen, the fruit of faith is the ability to trust and have confidence in the God who can do powerful things. So therefore, faith the fruit and faith the gift work in conjunction together to see great things happen. But it has to do with the character of the individual. So when you hear the passage of scripture where it says, if you have faith like a little mustard seed, then you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and it'll take place. Well, it's a powerful thing, but there's also the confidence of the fact that God is who he is and we serve that God uh, with full confidence in our heart. I have in my notes here, it says, therefore, the confidence that we have in God who created us uh, we have devoted our life to him, to a God who is powerful, to the God is, who is unchanging, the God who is continually uh, working in our lives. Faithfulness is described as having confidence and devotion that you have in God. Plain and simple. Now, the acid test for faith is crisis. Because we all have faith in God until something goes wrong. And when something goes wrong, we all of a sudden begin to question this God who we thought was, was wonderful and all-knowing and, and all-powerful. And if he's all-powerful, why isn't he helping me in this crisis? And, and why has this terrible thing happened in my life if God is who he says he is? And so all of a sudden, our faith wavers. But faith in of, in of itself is, is a person who will stand steadfast in, in love with Jesus despite the fact that the circumstances may show Absolutely everything, everything the opposite. And sometimes through an extended period um, of time. So here's what I did. I took a look at the word faith in, in the terms of the fruit of faith. And um, I put together the, the aspect of faith as it's exemplified and described in scripture. And I've kind of got a list that I wanted uh, to show you. If you want to talk about faith... The first place you have to go to is Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the, the Hall of Faith. It is stories of people who exhibited faith in God and, and people who had um, uh, done wonderful things and had, and had endured terrible things and people who, despite the fact that they never saw things completed, still believed in God throughout the whole passage. But the star verse in Hebrews chapter 11 is Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
It is serving Jesus with all of your heart, despite the fact that you do not see tangibly what is going on. That's the crux of faith. Now, as you go and you talk about Luke chapter 6, verse 16, it talks about the fact that, that it is faith in service. Luke 16, 10 says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest in much. It talks about the fact that that faith is that thing that makes you dependable. Faith is that thing that when you serve Jesus, you will do it with all of your heart. You will be there. You will be dependable. It talks about, uh, about the reference of a person who actually serves Jesus. I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, and it says, Now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove to be faithful. It is part of the character of a person who believes and loves Jesus with all of his heart. If you say you're a Christian, you've got to be faithful. But perhaps the most glaring, the most emphasized time when you hear about the term faith in terms of the fruit of faith, it is talking about enduring difficult times. It's also during those times where we will actually stand before God after living through a difficult life. You take a look at the book of Revelations. And the book of Revelations talks about these, these uh, visions that John had had. But right at the very beginning, there's letters that he writes to seven different churches, remember? And there's one particular church which is called Smyrna. And Smyrna went through some terrible experiences. And if you read Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, is, as they're talking about Smyrna, one of the things that they say, hey, the person who absolutely endures to the end and maintains the faith will be given a crown of life. That's what it says. If you read he, uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, it's that passage where, where the person stands before the judge or the master, and the master says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It is having to do with, with maintaining the integrity of love for Jesus in the midst of difficult situations. It's the best way that I can describe it. So what does the biblical fruit of faith actually have? What are some of the personality traits of a person who has the biblical fruit of faith? Well, there's a stepping process that I put together. So biblical fruit of faithfulness, first of all, surpasses the trivial. It's not a person who is a fly-by-night Christian. If I, if I think of the, that particular aspect, I think of the parable of the sower. You know the parable of the sower where, where a seed is cast on, on the, the road and then kind of on the side of the road and then amongst the weeds. And each one of those people represents people who, who kind of have accepted the word, but because the relationship was trivial, it was superficial, it just took some kind of small thing and they no longer served Jesus. Faith, the fruit of faith, surpasses the trivial. Not only that, it begins to surpass the emotional. Listen to Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. It says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. That your faith is not a fly-by-night 
entity. It's not an issue of chasing the emotion. Oh, it's just wonderful. I felt so good. The worship was so wonderful. I, I sensed a, a good feeling as I was there. And, and the message was just so wonderful. And I just feel so good. And as I leave, I feel good. But all of a sudden, if a good feeling's not there, then you're not there. Faith surpasses the emotions. There will be times in your life where the emotion will not be there. But your faith is not based on emotions. Your faith is based on the truth of a God who rose from the dead. And that will happen. That will take place. It surpasses the emotions. It struggles against status quo. Continuously, a person of faith will continually want to grow, will continually want to be taking steps of faith. Um, Faith does not coast. Faith is not happy in saying, I have found a place where I am happy and I therefore want to stay in this position. That's not what faith does. Faith says, well, no, I don't want it to be the same now. I want it to be better tomorrow. I want to continue to grow. It is, there's something about faith that's, that, that generates in us a desire to continually go ahead, which leads to the next step. What it does is it strives to go deeper, that there are next levels, that there, there, there is an aspect of faith that will be aggressively wanting to seek God at deeper levels. You don't ever get to a point where you arrive. You don't. See, at this time, as Paul's writing these, there was a, there was a, uh, a cult that was entering. Paul was continually dealing with Judaizers and, and wrong doctrine. And one of the wrong doctrines was a thing called Gnosticism. There's a whole bunch of things about Gnosticism that I could get into, but it would just make this a whole long night. But one of the things that Gnosticism believed was that you could eventually hit a point of perfection. That there was a point where you arrived. And so Paul continually talked about this. And the whole aspect of the gift of faith kind of talks about this at this particular, particular time. Um, it, it strives to serve Jesus at every level. Well, what do you mean by that? Faith is not a couch potato. Faith doesn't relish the fact that I accepted Jesus as my Savior, so now I can sit down and enjoy the ramifications that happen that I am part of the family of God. Oh, I'm a person of faith, so therefore, um, people need to love me, and people need to, to, to uh, help me, and people need to... to uh, it's about the fact that I need to be comfortable and happy. No, it's not what faith is all about at all, is it? Faith deals with the fact that that there is a work to do, that there is a destiny that God has for us, that, that, that has nothing to do with sitting on the bench. It has everything to do with saying, God, I want everything that you have for me. Put me in the place that you want me to be, even if it's not in my gifting, not even if it is not in my wheelhouse. I, I get tired of, of times when people say, well, you know, Pastor, I know you need help with that, but that's just not my gift. Well, If you love Jesus with all your heart, I'm going to do that because that's what's necessary. And eventually there will be something that will fall into my my giftings and I will serve God in that. But the idea of faith is this. I love Jesus so passionately with all of my heart. I'm willing to do anything to see his kingdom go forward. That's kind of the process that faith has. And as a result, faith will sacrifice the need 
for self-success and self-acclimation. Basically, faith doesn't care. As a person matures in faith, what happens in my life isn't important. What happens in the kingdom of God is of ultimate importance. And the last one's important. Basically, faith seeks the help from the Holy Spirit. Because really, this faith thing is not so easy. I put, put those two passages together there. Proverbs 2, verses six, Proverbs verse 20, verses 6. And uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6 says this. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. And Second uh, Chronicles 16, 9 says this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. This thing called faithfulness, I know we all want to claim it, but it's something we need the help of the Holy Spirit with, especially if you're going through a difficult time. And um, I remember, uh, I don't know where everyone was or what, what circumstance you grew up in. Uh, I grew up in a house where I got saved when I was, I think, 13 or 14 years old, and uh, and my father was an alcoholic, but my dad was a functioning alcoholic. So I never really realized my dad was an alcoholic until after he died. And I realized that other kids' fathers don't drink as much as my dad had drunk. And so, and so in this process, church became very important to me. Having Christian friends became very important to me. And some of the rallies and some of the conventions and that became uh, faith hanging points for me. I particularly want, remember one particular time, there's an individual, his name was Rich Wilkerson. Uh, people know who David Wilkerson is, the cross and the switchblade. Um, uh, Rich Wilkerson was related to David Wilkerson, and, and what had kind of happened was uh, Wilkerson was a very popular P, uh, Assemblies of God name, and uh, 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 Wilkerson married a Buntane. And Buntane uh, were famous for the, the uh, missions work that they did in India. And so you had these two powerful people. So this kind of was something, you probably don't care about this. But anyways, let me just go on. He spoke in a time, and have you ever had those services where the Spirit of God is so thick that you say, I hope that this service ends soon so I can get to the altar? You ever had those times? Spirit of God is just moving. God is just kind of beating you up. And there are things in your life that you want. When I was here as a young kid, and I remember I was, was so young that I didn't have my license yet. I do remember at that particular rally that there was this girl named Angela that kind of caught my eye. But um, uh, that had not, hey, who knows today she's here. That may have been because of that rally. I'm not too sure. Anyways. But I remember being there, and I remember him talking about the fact that if you're going to serve Jesus... It's going to cost you something. If you're going to serve Jesus, it's going to cost you everything. And, uh, and so as a result, at the end of the, uh, the, his, speak, his speech, he says this. He says, folks, um, I'm going to have an altar service, but I don't want people to come up to the altar service as an emotional response. I want you to come up to this service, or I want you to come up to the front because you want the cross. Understand the cross. Understand what Jesus did for you. Understand what it's going to cost you. So I don't want anybody coming up for the first minute. I don't want anybody talking. But if you want to know Jesus in a deep way, 
I want you to stand up like nobody else is around and I want you to yell at the top of your lungs like no one else is around. I want the cross. So a minute goes by and there are, I think, 1,200 kids at this youth convention. And all I remember hearing was one person saying, I, and the rest of the, the uh, sanctuary ringing out in unison, I want the cross. And there was no altar call. He didn't call people up. People ran. People ran up to the front. And I still remember not even making it because I was up in the balcony at that time. I couldn't make it to the altar. It was cram-jammed. And I remember making promises to God that I wanted to serve him with a full heart. I wanted to be dedicated. I wanted to be faithful. I wanted to, to be able to be relied upon him to see him move. And let me just tell you, that fire is still inside of me today. I have a yearning to please him. Do you have a yearning to please him? God, I just want to please you. And I get dis disappointed every time I mess up. I, every time I mess up, I say, oh, God, I just want to serve you. And I just keep messing up. And, and there's, you know, there's the fact that you can't condemn yourself in, in all that process. But the fact that I do is just birthed from a fact that there is a desire in me to give him all of myself, to be faithful. The desire to do what his word actually tells me to do. To go out and, and to somehow make a difference amongst the poor. And to somehow make a difference to those who are down and out. Because the word of God tells me that that's what I'm supposed to do. And I don't really do it all the time because I'm that good of a guy. But there's a passion inside of me that says, God, I want you to have all of me. That's faith. That's the fruit of faith. That's the thing that is birthed in us. And we are living in a time when it's important to be faithful because I believe this. We don't know what's going to happen after COVID-19. But I think that God is going to call on people to be able to do certain things at a certain time. And it will be those people who are faithful that will stand up in the moment. My favorite parts of the book of Acts was Acts chapter, or sorry, yeah, Acts chapter 9. Uh, to fill you in a little bit about Acts chapter 9, Paul is still the bad guy. Starts out, and Paul, you know, Paul's real angry, and he set out, he's got permission from the authorities, the, the Pharisees, to go and kill and imprison um, Christians. And so he is fully loaded to go there, and he's on his road to Damascus. And for those of us who know the story, all of a sudden something happens. A bright light flashes. He begins to hear a voice, and he goes blind. And all of a sudden, they kind of lead him into, into Damascus, and he's not too sure what is going to happen. And so the, all of a sudden, the scene goes to this guy named Ananias. Hey, Ananias, I want you to go and pray for this guy named Paul. And this is what it says. Because I have given Paul a vision that a man named Ananias is going to pray for him and he's going to be healed. You know why that's so special? Because God knew that Ananias was so faithful that he put in the vision a guy named Ananias. There was not some type of thing that said, well, a guy is going to come. I'm not too sure if he's going to do it yet, but he was so faithful. That God knew Ananias was so faithful. They said, there's a guy named Ananias. So I've already said, 
that this guy's going to have a dream about a guy named Ananias. I know you're going to do it. Well, hold on a second, God. Isn't this the guy who's coming to kill us? Yeah, he is. He was. But he's the guy that I've chosen to, be, to, to deal with the Gentile people, and he's going to suffer. There's lots of things he's going to suffer. That's what basically the word says. And so this guy named Ananias comes onto the scene and says, Brother Paul. So he calls him. Or maybe at that time it was Brother Saul. I can't remember. What did he call him? Was he Paul? Was he Saul? I can't remember. God told me to come here, lay hands on you so you might be healed. And it says that like scales, they fell off. What's so special about that? Well, after that, we don't even hear about Ananias because Ananias was not concerned about self-acclaim. He was concerned about doing what God had asked him to do and then you never hear of him again. So you see the character of faith moving in connection with the gift of faith and God doing wonderful things. See, the two kind of work together, don't they? I'll tell you this. I want to be like Ananias. I do. I want to know him. I want to passionately follow him. I want to be loyal to him. When the cards are down, I want to be the one that says, no, I'm going to stay true to you, God. And therein lies a fruit worth pursuing. Amen? God, I just pray that you will move in a powerful way in all of our lives. God, stir up in us a passion to be faithful. Because I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure what's taking place with COVID-19. And there are people who will say that they do, but they don't. Um, all I know is that if something comes up and you're wanting me to do something, I want to be there. I want to be ready. I want the spirit or the fruit to be developed in me to the point where you can count on me. And I pray that for everyone here. I pray for your power. I pray for your anointing. I pray for your blessing. I pray for the fruit of faith, Father, to become evident, Lord, so that maybe you can work in the spirit, the spiritual gift of faith in our lives. I'm not too sure. All I know is that I love you with all of my heart and I want to serve you. Have your way, Lord, as we close in worship in Jesus' name. Amen.